You're listening to the Renegade Blitz Podcast, a podcast for Steelers fans by Steelers fans. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com, and like us on Facebook. It's Super Bowl week, and while the Steelers are unfortunately not playing for another championship in Tampa, that won't stop us from bringing you content on the Renegade Blitz. I'm Ty Polk, joined as always by my co-host Chris Ward. To start the podcast, we would like to express our condolences to the Rooney family. The Steelers announced on Saturday night that Patricia Rooney passed away peacefully at her home on the north side. She was 88. Mrs. Rooney was the beloved wife of the late Steelers chairman, Daniel Rooney, who passed away on April 13, 2017. They were married for 65 years up until Mr. Rooney's passing. And with that, we welcome in Ryan Scarpino, former Steelers public relations specialist from 2010 to 2016. Ryan, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, guys, I appreciate it very, very much. Always good to talk football, even though Steelers aren't in the big game. But uh, I'd like to just say, you know, my condolences to the Rooney family. Um, I knew Mrs. Rooney well and Mr. Rooney well. She was a sweetheart. Um, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. You know, I, I know I know they had they they had, they owned a football team, but they didn't act like it. Um, you know, we had many car rides together. She would wait up for Mr. Rooney to get home from uh uh, road games and she was just such a sweetheart and um, she will be missed and uh, again my condolences to the Rooney family on her passing just elaborate on more memories if you have a chance with Mrs. Rooney and Mr. Rooney wow man we'll be here all night um, <laughs> <laughs> I do my best not to, to scroll on the socials too too much you know flipped on Saturday night and it was definitely a bummer to see uh, the news that she passed. Um, the one memory I always and I and I did talk about this the other night on Twitter was, um, you know, Mr. Rooney passed away in April of 2017. And uh, a couple months later, I ended up leaving the Steelers. And uh, Mr. Rooney passing away was was one of those moments where I had to sort of rethink about where I was going in my career and reassess my personal morals and all that stuff, because he was a big part of my career. Uh, and just my life in general, you know, he was like sort of another grandfather figure. Um, he was just so kind and he cared about anybody and everybody. You know, we talked way, way more about life than we did football. Um, and Mrs. Rooney was also a big part of that, too. You know, I <laughs> on the way home from road games, you know, no matter how late it was, uh, Mrs. Rooney would usually wait up for him. And I remember one time. It was a late road game. And on the way home from the airport, I said, hey, do you I know you don't want to wake the missus, but you maybe want to give her a call just so she can shut the alarm off. And he's like, "Nah, I don't want to wake her. It'll be fine. And we get there and I'm carrying his suitcase and his bag and he opens the door and the alarm goes off at his house. And it is louder than when Troy picked off Joe Flacco in the AFC championship game. And all I could think about is, oh, my God, the SWAT team is going to roll up. And I'm standing there with Mr. Rooney's bags in my hand. And so he gets in there. He turns off the code. Everything was fine. And I remember Mrs. Rooney came down the stairs and she said, she said, Dan, what's going on? He's like, oh, I just shut the alarm off. And she was like, well, why didn't you call me? <laughs> so, you know, that's just, you know, they were just such they're, they're both just such, such sweethearts and they were just 
they were just wonderful people. And, um, you know, I know they're, I know they're reunited again and, you know, I can't say enough great things about both of them. Um, you know, many memories, whether that's, you know, going to book signings or, you know, we would, we would be driving somewhere and they'd swing by the McDonald's across the street and, you know, you'd be at the drive through and, you know, the worker would be like, Oh my goodness, that's Mr. Rooney. And they'd say hello. And I don't know, it was just like, they were just so down to earth and, and humble. Um, you know, again, it's hard to believe that they owned a football team the way they acted, but you know, they cared about anybody and everybody. And I'll stop now because we'll be here for the next 10 hours. <laughs> what uh McDonald's may I ask <laughs> the one near the stadium? It's yeah. It's right across the street from their home. I mean, we were many, many, many places where, you know, people would just, obviously recognize it's Mr. Rooney. Um, but they didn't need anything fancy. You know, he wanted a bite to eat. Hey, let's go across the street or they like getting an ice ball at uh, Gus's on the North side. To, didn't know what an ice ball was until I went to, he took me there one day. I was like, is that a snow cone? He's like, no ice ball. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I loved their mentality and the way that they treated people and they, they cared about people. You know, he, he never wanted to take his car. He always wanted to take mine and, you know, I still got that car. It's my first ever car. It's still running. I'm going to upgrade soon. But I remember like, I'd be like, oh, let's take yours today. And he'd be like, nah, I like yours more. He just loved being entwined with everyone, you know, and I have other friends that work around the league and, and, you know, they say that like the owner has his own separate wing. Like he never sees, never sees like certain parts of the facility. Mr. Rooney knew everybody and everybody. Uh, you know what I mean? He didn't like, he didn't have his own separate wing. He didn't have any special treatment. So like, it's crazy to me that like, he was just so involved in everyone's, you know, he cared about everybody. I, I just, you know, that, that's, that's rare for anybody nowadays, let alone the owner of a professional football franchise. How did you get this job with the Steelers in the public relations department in 2010? Yeah, you know, it was all sort of luck. And I'll admit that, you know, I went to college. Uh, I wanted to be a sports reporter. I wanted to be on Sports Center. Um, I got out of college. It was tough getting a job. Couldn't really even get an interview. And um, I actually met uh, the communications director at the time. His name was Dave Lockett. Um, and we, we connected. Basically, it was just like, you know, he knew my mom, actually. And my mom... I went to visit her one day at work and he was there and she's like, Hey, you know, she's like kind of like hinting like, Hey, there's the communications director for the Steelers over there that I told you about. So, you know, I basically just, you know, I had nothing to lose. I went up to him and introduced myself. We talked just about, you know, how everything's going. And I was honest with him. I was like, Hey, you know, can't, can't really get an interview. Can't get a job. And he's like, well, Hey, we got an internship opening, you know, here's my email. So I emailed him, got an interview the rest is history. <laughs> you know, that's my advice. If anybody's listening out there, don't be afraid to talk to people, you know, you know, obviously shout out to my mom who knew of him and, you know, right place, right time. And, you know, Dave actually moved on to the UFC. Uh, Bert took over and then Bert actually hired me full time. So I'm very appreciative of Bert um, for believing in me and keeping me on board. Learned a lot from Bert. Uh, but again, it's sometimes it, <laughs> luck it's all about luck and timing and i imagine like a lot of those things that you uh, in the steelers pr department it's helped you in your current occupation uh what have you been doing after the 2016 season in which you left the steelers yeah so uh i did a complete 180 uh i took a communications position in public health 
I had a great time with the Steelers. Uh, it was definitely a tough decision to leave, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I wanted more, uh, professionally and personally, um, you know, it's nice getting your Sundays and weekends and holidays back and actually being able to watch the game and have a couple beverages. Um, I work in public health now and uh, been, you know, helping with the COVID-19 response. And, uh, you know, it's 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 completely different from football, but I've learned so much just about, uh, you know, <laughs> epidemiology and uh, overdose prevention so many things that you, you don't, you don't really, you know, see or hear, but it, you know, when you read all these articles, especially with COVID, like I know every, I know what they're talking about now beforehand, I wouldn't have known, you know, now I know how to sort of, you know, analyze numbers in a different way and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's different, but you know, I enjoy it. It's nice uh, knowing that I'm hopefully helping people uh, in during this COVID response. And, you know, again, it's, it's not X's and O's, but uh, it's been very rewarding uh, getting to uh, help as many people as we can uh, get through this pandemic. No matter what happens, no matter how small the job, we thank you for everything that you do. Thanks very much. But hey, (laughs) there are many, many other people, uh, you know, frontline workers, uh, many people in public health right now. Got to thank them, too. But I, I appreciate the kind words. And Ryan, with the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2021 going to be announced this Saturday, we've been wanting to do a podcast talking about Bill Nunn and Alan Fanica, who are finalists this year. But last year, three Steelers got into the Hall of Fame with Bill Cowher, Donnie Schell, and George Palomalu. Uh, the two Steelers that you got to work with during your time with the Steelers were Nunn and Palomalu. Uh, what, what was it like working with Palomalu and Nunn? Man, I took some notes. I wrote down a lot today. Um, so <laughs> I, I guess I'd like to start with, with Mr. Nunn. Um, I sat at the first desk past the trophy room at the facility, okay? And that was a very high traffic area because you walk through the doors, you pass the trophies, and there was my desk. So I started with the Steelers in April of 2010, and my first week there, there was a lot of repeated patterns. The door would open, you'd hear footsteps, and then you'd hear a voice. And I, my back was towards the trophies, so you start to learn people's footsteps and patterns and voices. And I'll never forget this one morning. It was early and I heard the door and I heard the footsteps and I didn't recognize the footsteps. And all of a sudden I hear what's up money. And I turned around and I stood up, I introduced myself and he said, Hey, I'm Bill Nunn. And I was like, nice to meet you, Mr. Nunn. And he kept walking and I sat down. I was like, what's up money. I was like, I've been called a lot in my life, but never money. Who is this guy? So I sat down, Googled his name, and one of the first articles that popped up was written by Kevin Gorman, who uh, writes for the Tribune Review, and he's a good friend. And it was about Bill Nunn, two months earlier, was elected to the inaugural class of the Black College Football Hall of Fame. And in that class, with Bill Nunn, was Eddie Robinson Deacon Jones, Jerry Rice, and Walter Payton. And I start reading this article, and fact by fact, you know, wrote, uh, he's, you know, his dad was editor of the Pittsburgh Courier, took over the Pittsburgh Courier, never played college football, never coached college football, but he's in the college, the Black College Football Hall of Fame. He was a teammate of Chuck Cooper at Westinghouse High School. Chuck Cooper was the first NBA player, first black NBA player to be drafted. 
He went to West Virginia State. His teammate Earl Lloyd was the first black player to ever play in an NBA game. In fact, by fact, I'm just kept thinking, how do I not know who Bill Nunn is? I was kind of ashamed at the moment because I'm a huge football fan, born and raised in Pittsburgh. And then I'm sitting there thinking, okay, if I don't know about him, I mean, does anybody else know about Bill Nunn? I know people in the building do, but here we are 11 years, 10 years, 11 years later, and he's still not in the Hall of Fame. Like, what is going on? I mean, this guy is responsible for the Steelers, four Super Bowls. You know, there's no steel curtain without Bill Nunn. There's no dynasty without Bill Nunn. This guy was so ahead of his time. He was doing his homework. He was going to these colleges, black colleges in particular, and he was finding players, Joe Green, L.C. Greenwood, Mel Blunt, Dwight White, Ernie Holmes, John Stallworth, Donnie Shell. I mean, these are key players in the success of the Steelers. How is this guy not in the Hall of Fame? And I thought about this like in 2010. Here we are 11 years later. This got to be the year. And I'll stop there. I got plenty more to say. Bill Nunn, rest in peace, was one of the smoothest and coolest people I've ever met. And I'll tell you this. I don't think I ever had a conversation longer than five seconds with him. He was always on the move. It was always, what's up, money? Or, man, your fingers are flying. Like, I'd be typing something. He'd walk by, your fingers are flying. And by the time, like, I'd look up, he'd be down the hall. He was just so cool and so smooth. And, and he wasn't around a ton. But when he arrived, it was like a different vibe in the building. When I first started there, big, big names, Ben, Heath, Hines, James Ferrier, Aaron Smith, Casey Hampton, Brett Kiesel. No disrespect to anybody I didn't mention, but that locker room was filled, filled with names. You know, they won a Super Bowl when I was a freshman in college. They won a Super Bowl when I was a senior in college, but I never, ever, ever put anybody on a pedestal. You know, I, I mean, you can't act like that, especially when you work in sports. You can be a fan to a certain extent, but, you know, I went in there level-headed, can't be a fanboy or anything like that. And I always kept my composure. But the first time I met Troy, it was like that head and shoulders commercial where his hair like fans. eye, <laughs> like it was just it was just so weird. And like I met all the guys didn't have any sort of like, you know, like wasn't starstruck or anything like that. But Troy, it's just it's like he wasn't human, but he was, you know, he was he was funny. He could time a joke. Um, he was just so humble and great person, great human being, great family person. And, you know, I've never seen somebody that good and act like he wasn't, (laughs) you know, I mean, it was always praise for coach LeBeau or his teammates, you know, and I don't know if we'll ever see another Steeler like that. Um, But he was awesome. And I'm very, very grateful I got to work with him. And, you know, I, I know I joked about this last year when he finally got in, but like he's that type of person that would say like, no, I'd let, let Alan Fana get, get in the Hall of Fame before me. Like, <laughs> and I mean, that's really who he was. He was he was team first, never about me, 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 team, team, team. Glad he didn't have to wait longer than he had to to get in. And Ryan, you also mentioned that you're a lifelong Pittsburgher. So what, what were your thoughts on Bill Cowher and Donnie Schell being nominated in the centennial class last year? And do you think Alan Fanica finally gets into the Hall of Fame this year? Oh, man. You know, so I 
I was born in 87 and I, I frankly don't remember anything about the last couple years with Chuck Knoll. Absolutely remember Bill Cower early on. It's hard not to it's hard not to think of the chin or the scowl or whatever. And like when you look at old pictures of Cower, you know, he had that like starter mock turtleneck and like the starter jacket. He it looked like he was never smiling, but you know, I, I think that about well, the one thing about Cower is is that, you know, he worked his tail off. And he's a Pittsburgh, you know, he's a Pittsburgh guy as well, but you know, he was always so, so close. You know, and he had he had a couple losing seasons, but you know, one thing about you know the Rooney family is they believe in their coaches. You know, they've only had three coaches since 1969, and it was great to see Coach Cower win a Super Bowl before he finally left. Um, but I mean, you you know those '90 Steelers with Blitzberg, uh, you know Kevin Green, obviously kept rest in peace, Kevin Green. He just passed away recently, but I'm just really happy for Coach Cower uh, that he that he won Super Bowl 40. He just worked his tail off, and they were always just super close. And then Donnie Shell, 74 class, Bill Nunn, <laughs> getting back to Bill Nunn. You know everybody knows the 74 draft. Donnie Shell wasn't even drafted. You know I, I know the talk is that there's a Steelers bias, but you know I, I, Donnie Shell is an undrafted. Uh, free agent, one of the one of the best defensive players in Steelers history, and there's been so many of them. Um, but you know, so there are times when you can't be biased when somebody's that good. So I'm very happy for Donnie Shell. I met him a few times. Um, very nice guy. Um, but again, yeah, Bill Nunn, diamond in the rough, South Carolina State. That's pretty good when you draft four Hall of Famers, and then you, you sign one that this wasn't drafted and then he eventually gets in the hall of fame, same class. That's incredible. I don't know if that'll, that'll ever happen again. Of course. Also Alan Fanica, he could be another person in that class as well. I mean, do you believe that he finally gets in there as well? I hope so. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate because like there are times in the hall of like, I'll get back to Alan, but like Hines has been up for a while now too. And Hines is just in a really, really, really tough spot. Because Hines is up against one of the, you know, the flashiest positions and he's got a stiff competition and that's no disrespect to Hines, but you can't tell me that Allen isn't one of the best guards in pro football history. I think he only missed two games, one because of injury, one because I think coach Cower sat them. The guy moved more earth <laughs> for Bettis. Ask Jerome. I mean, Jerome's always going to give credit to his fullbacks and his blockers. That play in Super Bowl 40, Willie Parker, that's Allen. Get, you know, kick it out. And you can't tell me he's not one of the best guards in NFL history. This got to be his year. I hope it is. Um, I mean, I remember Allen. Remember, he had a long, like, red hair. He's monster, just a monster. I grew my hair when I was younger because of Allen Fanica and a couple other rock stars, but you know, I, Alan was just, and I've met Alan a couple times, super nice guy. Um, you know, great community guy, but yeah, this gotta be his time. One of the similar things right now going on with the Steelers is potentially the, uh, thoughts of change. Of course, Ben Roethlisberger seems like going to be returning, but I want to take us back to April of 2015 with Troy Palomalu retiring. Uh, of course, in the previous years, there were a lot of Steelers, <laughs> Uh, moving on from their careers, Heinz Ward was one of them. Uh, did you see the culture change 
from when you first got there to 2010 to compare to your last few years with the team? Yeah, and I don't think that's crazy to say because when you lose sort of, you know, I talked about coming there and there were so many veterans. It's natural, you know, you lose your vets, you know, people come and go, um, you know, but I, I mean, I remember Jim Wexel has a book on Troy. Jim's a good friend of mine. And I talked about this a couple of times in his book and I'm very fortunate for Jim to ask me to talk to him about it. But as, as the days went on, you started to see younger guys arriving and obviously, you know, veterans going. Writers have wrote about this many times, but there was a moment when Ryan Shazier as a rookie had his music up and Troy was doing an interview and he literally just walked over and turned it off. And, <laughs> and like, it, and like we all kind of laughed, but like Ryan knew like, okay, I'm not going to turn my music on anymore. And the defensive backs were, they were doing like flex Fridays or something like that. And they were posing with their shirts off. And, and I remember Troy being like, hold, like in the middle of an interview, like, hold on a minute, I have to take my shirt off and go post for a picture. And then he laughed. Like you could absolutely tell that it was changing. And, you know, even though like they still had guys on the team, like, you know, Willie Gay and whatnot, but the, the defensive back group was getting younger and, and, you know, to, you know, to each their own, you know, you can, you see now guys, they like their social media, they, they like their brand and that's fine. And I totally get it. But I remember when Troy retired, it was almost like, okay, there are veterans on the defense, but that last piece to those Super Bowl teams is gone. And it, that's just how life is. It, nothing lasts forever. Troy didn't say much. He didn't have to, though. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the mood changed, the culture changed with him going. But though they were successful after Troy. They haven't had a losing season. But, yeah, absolutely, you could tell that there's – there was definitely something missing when he left. And it, it's, it's an interesting uh, situation right now with Ben Roethlisberger, who turned 39 in March and is on the final year of his contract. And uh, Jim Wexel mentions in his book, uh, I just got uh, done finished uh, reading it uh, on Palomaro, that uh, Art Rooney too, Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert all told Palomaro that he should retire or they would, uh, or they would cut him. Uh, Palomaro was quoted in the book saying that Colbert told him he's old and slow. And Palomar agreed that he, d- he didn't have the speed and explosion anymore. Uh, Palomar ultimately retired as he didn't want to play with any other organization but the Steelers. W- what are your thoughts on how it all ended with Palomar as a Steeler? You know, I wasn't part of any of those conversations. Those are way above my pay grade. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I trust Jim. I trust Troy in, in that conversation. Um, I wasn't in the room, so I can't speak to it. Um, you know, I, I think anybody that – Anybody that watched that 2014 season could tell that Troy wasn't the same as he used to be, and, and that's okay. Uh, but, yeah, I, I can't speculate on what was said in that room. Well, we'll approach that in a different way. Just like <laughs> I imagine with – I've also had the opportunity to be a part of an organization as an intern. It was with the Penguins, and just like okay. seeing some of the uh, – how like the organization goes from a communication standpoint is yeah. different. Just – uh, like writing that writing I don't know if you were the one that wrote that press report or potentially had that opportunity to see it but just like talk about like being in the room like whenever Troy officially announced his retirement I'd have to go back but I believe it was a Friday and <laughs> that's always fun it was a Friday during the off season. I'm fairly certain it was a Friday because it was like okay probably get out a little bit early today. <laughs> and, and I remember like you could tell something was going on, but nobody was saying anything. 
and it all and all just sort of happened. Um, I actually believe Jim tweeted that he was retiring. And I just remember like seeing it on Twitter. I was like, oh, there goes the early day. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I when it happened, like I Troy never really talked. So like it wasn't like he was going to have some press conference or anything like that. But um, I do remember when I saw it on Twitter, I was like immediately like sad, <laughs> you know, like I because I, again, I wasn't part of those conversations. Like there's conversations that go on behind closed doors all the time. Who knows? You know, people have arguments and whatnot, but I knew when Jim tweeted it, I knew Troy trusted Jim and Troy didn't really do many interviews or talk to many people. So I knew when Jim talk, Jim said it, it was true. Um, but I just remember being like really sad and then, you know, looking up stats on Troy and putting some paragraphs together and, you know, collaborating with the PR team on when we were going to announce it, how we were going to announce it and, you know, other details. Yeah, man, it's it's always wild whenever you in the room and like, here comes the news. It's like when I was the big news, as small as it is, Carl Haglin got traded and it was like, yeah. oh, my God, that's a championship piece for two cup teams. Oh, OK. <laughs> Heath retired on a Friday too. the very next year. I'm, pr- I'm pretty certain <laughs> it was like two back to backs <laughs> on a Friday in the offseason. All, all reports so far indicate that Art Rooney, too, Mike Tomlin, Kevin Culver all, are all on board with Ben Roethlisberger coming back uh, uh, this year. So, so it doesn't seem like they're going to do what they did with Palmo by basically forcing him to retire. Uh, what are your thoughts on Roethlisberger reportedly uh, returning for another season? I just double-checked. Troy did retire on a Friday. It was April 10th. <laughs> I knew my mind wasn't gone yet. And again, I, I don't know what was said to Troy. I, I wasn't in the room, but you know, it has to be very, very hard for a coach or a franchise, an owner, a general manager to have those conversations with the quarterback that basically brought the Steelers back to Super Bowl contenders year in and year out. Um, you know, it had been a long, long time since the Steelers had a quarterback like Ben, obviously Bradshaw comes to mind, but, you know, in between those, in between Bradshaw, you know, you have your Mark Malone's and Neil O'Donnell's and Bubby Brister's, Cordell Stewart's, Tommy Maddox. Um, so, you know, Ben brought, Ben helped bring the Steelers back. And, you know, he's been here for so long. He's done so much for the organization. Um, I know they were 11 and 0 last year and everything was looking good, but teams figure, defense, defense has figured it out. It, it's no mystery of what happened. I don't know if it's schematics. I don't know if it's Ben's health. I don't know if it's the lack of cohesiveness on offense. I don't know if that means Ben is done. I know that the conversations are fluid. I absolutely know that for certain. You know, this isn't going to be a knee-jerk reaction or anything like that. And I just think that they'll meet, they'll go over it, and we'll see what happens. Um, do I think Ben is done? No. And I say that because I just know Ben's a competitor and I know he doesn't want to go out like that. I have been wrong many times in my life (laughs) and I don't want to put money on that. Um, But we'll see. Uh, You know, Matt Canada has been there a year. Um, They just promoted uh, Adrian Clem, offensive line coach. Uh, So, I mean, we'll see. But I, if if I had to put money on it, I would say Ben is definitely back next year. Yeah, no probably doubt. with, probably with, 
I would say absolutely with some sort of money movement. And I never understood the salary cap when I worked there, and I don't now. I trust that the Steelers will find a way to move some money around so that they can re-sign some players and bring in some players. We don't understand it either. We had to bring in a British guy for it. Of all things, they have to deal <laughs> with transfer windows over there, but but he understands the salary cap way more than we do. So you know, you're with I us. don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I would if I'd be able to convert pounds to dollars, but I mean, I got to get a better hobby. So maybe I got to start doing that. As I mentioned, I shared a little bit of like the media stuff that I've had to do. Of course, I imagine as a PR person, what's the wildest situation in a press conference that you've ever had to deal with as a PR guy? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, Give me a second here. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of wild situations, as you know, and as we all know, uh, Pittsburgh media, sometimes they like to go for the juggler. You know, I still talk to the media guys and I'm close with a lot of them and, uh, you know, they just got a job to do. But, you know, Coach Tomlin is not the same person you see on his Tuesdays. He He is very, very smart before he took a coaching internship and Bill Stewart, the late Bill Stewart at VMI uh, got him his first start. Tomlin was about to take the LSATs. He was going to be a lawyer. Mike is smart. Mike is smarter than you think. He only gives you a little bit. I was fortunate that where there weren't too many crazy things during a press conference. I will say though, that after the Jacoby Jones tripping incident, that was a really weird press conference, and I and myself and the intern used to have to transcribe that press conference, and that was le- legit like 45 minutes, like one of the longest transcriptions we ever had to do, and it was like just a constant repetitive, like I obviously didn't mean to trip them, and like it was just like continuously, continuously like, you know, asking the same question and, and repeating the same statement. Um so that's probably the worst. But I do remember a reporter early on. He I won't name his name, but he <laughs> he used he's no longer here too. He's a TV reporter and he used to like try to like kind of joke with coach. And I remember like it was during a Halloween week or something, and like he tried to like, I don't know, like lighten the mood. And he asked like Tom and what he dressed up as, and it was like the worst timing ever and like I'm pretty sure coach just stared at him <laughs> and like I was just like oh man like why'd you ask that question like this is not the time but I mean it was coach is, coach is a pro he he didn't say anything he knew what he was doing he laughed about it when he left the room but it was like why would you ask that right now <laughs> no favorite Tomlinism I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago just because it the nameless gray faces came up when Juju was talking and because I had to transcribe him. There were so many times where he would say, you know, he's an all pro perennial caliber type player, pro bowl perennial caliber type player. It is what it is. Try to think of some other ones. Um, popcorn, high motor, high pedigree. I, I, I don't know. There, I don't know if I could pick a favorite. I think I did my top five, but nameless gray faces is pretty good. We don't live in our fears. Again, Mike knows what he's doing. But I, I hate to say, it, I like what he says, quite frankly. I, I think it's like, I, I th- or to be honest with you, quite frankly, obviously, like I like those. I know he gets mocked for it, but he's a smart coach and I, I like Coach T. I think he does a great job. And I, I think that it, he's unfairly measured 
by Super Bowls, and I know that it's been a long time since 2008, but there are a lot of other teams in the league that would love to have Mike Tomlin, so I'm glad he's here. In Andrew Conti's book on Bill Nunn, he mentions that scouts or members of the Steelers organization always look forward to drive Nunn home after the workday was done because they cherished all the knowledge they gained from Nunn during that car ride. Uh, what did you learn from Nunn during your time with the Steelers, and did you ever uh, get the opportunity to drive him home? You know what? I didn't get the opportunity to drive Mr. Nunn home. I used to drive Mr. Rooney to a ton of places, so home there. So I have more knowledge with Mr. Rooney. Um, but, you know, I would say that I actually learned more about Mr. Nunn after he passed through folks like Kevin Colbert and Brandon Hunt. Um, but like I said, Mr. Nunn, he was always on the move. And, you know, we, we, we had a quick conversation. Um, but, you know, he was, uh, he was 89, I believe 89 when he passed. And I remember going to his funeral. And the one thing that struck me the most was all of the former scouts from the Steelers that were working somewhere else, but also scouts from across the league that came to pay their respects. Um, and to me, that's all I needed to know. You know, these folks loved Mr. Nunn and, and they loved, you know, his, his knowledge, uh, his wisdom. Um, when I was an intern, I didn't want to ruffle any feathers, but you know, looking back on it, I wish I could have talked to him more. He wasn't there a lot. He was always close with the scouts, but you know, when I talked to Kevin Colbert and Brandon Hunt, you know, the one thing I, I learned about was, you know, obviously I, obviously he was, he was, you know, playing with a stacked deck because, you know, he was a black man scouting the South during segregation. Um, you know, Brandon Hunt and Kevin Colbert both told me that he used to sleep. He used to sleep at coaches' homes because he couldn't get a hotel room because of his skin color. Eddie Robinson, Ramblings coach, who went into the inaugural Black College Football Hall of Fame with Mister Nunn, he used to stay at uh, Eddie Robinson's house. And I didn't know that. It's not like like talking with Kevin and Brandon, and and the one thing that Kevin told me that I thought was pretty cool was just, you know, Kevin was talking about scouting now and the combine and all that stuff and everything's just so homogenized everybody has the same information everybody has the same medical and mr nunn was way ahead of his time um especially when you know everybody talks about the stallworth you know how the steelers found john stallworth and goes to see stallworth run with other scouts and they're there stallworth runs it's a wet track and he's not that great and nunn stayed an extra day to watch him run on a dry track, none gets the times that he wants, goes back home, and he's reporting to the scouting staff and Coach Knoll. And apparently at that time, there was a single tape of Stallworth's highlights. And whether the Steelers shared that with other people, we'll never know. <laughs> but basically, Mr. Nunn kind of, I don't want to say pulled a fast one, but Mr. Nunn knew what he was doing. Like, I've heard from sources that he kind of told the other scouts that were there that day, nah, this guy can't run. I'm going to go home. And he stayed that extra day. And then John Stallworth ends up getting drafted and go to the Hall of Fame. So this guy was smooth. He was cool. And I wish I would have talked to him more, but I'm glad that I got to, to you know, have casual conversations with him and, and just be a part of, uh, of, of sort of his, his expertise. Because um, I know that, you know, folks like Kevin Colbert, Brandon Hunt, and, you know, anybody that worked at the Steelers, um, you know, he had – 
he had a mat. He sort of had that. He had this presence, you know, he had sort of this magic and he was just a really smooth guy and cool guy. Something I want to talk about is Kevin Colbert. I listened to Dejan Kovacevic's uh, quick hits on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. He mentioned mm-hmm. that sometimes when he tries to talk to Kevin Colbert, he tries to direct the conversation away from football. He mentioned frequently that uh, that Kevin wanted to talk more about the, the Pirates or the Penguins more than his own football team. Uh, I'm interested to know like stories from... About your time around Kevin Colbert and maybe even Brandon Hunt, because they're the guys that you don't you really probably see maybe once for around like the scouting combine. And really, they hide away for the rest of the year. Yeah, Kevin, uh, I'll start with Kevin. Kevin has had a huge impact on my career and my personal life. Uh, He's a mentor, Um, much like Mr. Rooney. His door is always open for any conversation that you want to have. 90% of the conversations Kevin and I had were not about football, not even about sports. Um, He is just a humble down to earth individual, just much like Mr. Rooney, you know, that sort of mentality is contagious. (laughs) Um, But Kevin, uh, Kevin is a super smart, hard worker, blue collar Pittsburgh guy. Um, only had one losing season since he's been the Steelers general manager. And if you think about that, that's, that's incredible. Um, you know, Kevin's just great. I, I can't say, I can't, I can't explain it any other way. You know, he always, always, always took care of me. Uh, he would come down, he'd have extra penguins tickets or pirates tickets. And I'd be like, Kevin, nah, I'm good. He's like, come on, you know, take them. He always called me Pino. And, you know, no, no one ever called me Pino. My nickname's always been Scarps. But he would all he's it was a very early on and he'd always bellow it out. Pino. Um, but the one thing I loved about Kevin the most was that, and I'm not gonna do it on here, but he if they needed a laugh, they would come to me. They'd be he would call me on the phone, be like, Pino, get down here. We're tired of watching 40 yard dashes. <laughs> I'd walk into the scouting room with a full scouting staff, full coaching staff and do an impression of Danny Smith in front of Danny Smith because <laughs> the, the GM wanted me to. And you know what? It was a lot of fun. It was intimidating to a certain extent, but if the GM needed a laugh, he trusted me. But if the GM needed how many times this player fumbled in the last five years, he came to me too. So he trusted me because he knew I could deliver the information, whether that was a statistic, some sort of report or bio whatever he needed but he also trusted me to, to, to deliver a laugh and I was I when their reports were that Kevin was going back to the Lions I was upset because I didn't want him to go and I didn't text him whatever but um, I haven't been there in three years now but I text Kevin anytime he gets back to me he's the best and Brandon Hunt I really 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 hope Brandon Hunt gets a general manager position he is a bright young guy He's a Pittsburgh guy, too. Much like Kevin, Brandon is humble. Brandon knows his stuff. Great people, really smart folks. You know, when Kevin does hang it up, you know, I I, I hope Brandon is the next Steelers GM. But if not, Brandon will get his opportunity one day, and deservedly so. Very grateful that I got to work with him. Real quick, I want to ask, because, of course, with PR, it's obviously handling, like, some of the uh, post-game interviews, but way more to it. It's almost you're kind of like a sports information director. What are the other details that go into PR for a sports team? 
just so people could know. I used to joke, you know, people would be like, well, what do you do during the off season? I got people would always ask, what do you do during the off season? Well, like it's constant updating the roster. Like people don't think about those things, but like who's a free agent, who's not, you know, creating separate rosters so you could add and replace folks getting the media guide updated. You're updating player bios. You're updating Steelers history. You're updating records. Uh, you're updating coach bios, Mr. Rooney's bio. You got planning for the game day program for the next season, getting ready for the draft, setting up tables in the media room, trying your best. Well, it's different now with, with COVID because you're doing everything via Zoom, but, you know, we'd make preparing for the combine, preparing for the owner's meetings, you know, making certain people available. So there was never really an off season. I always just called it. We got our weekends back to a certain extent besides, you know, coordinating interviews during the season and whatnot, you know, your practice, um, you know, you're <laughs> putting out fires left and right. Um, there was no job too big or too small at the Steelers. <laughs> Sometimes that was taking Mr. Rooney home and then coming back to finish your meet the media guide work. Sometimes it was giving a tour of the facility to the heartbreak kid, Sean Michaels or Dale Earnhardt Jr. Or a five-star general. Uh, <laughs> you know, it didn't matter. We were, there was no off season. It was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. I'm very grateful. I got to work there. We could be here all night. If I kept on going <laughs> and with the Super Bowl game coming up on, on Sunday, it's a game full of connections to the Steelers and, and the city and the team. Bruce Arians and uh, Byron Leftwich, along with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, uh, to name a few, will coach or play in the Super Bowl on Sunday. What, what was it like working with Brown and Bell your, during your time in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I mean, I know a couple years ago there was a tweet <laughs> that I was a part of that didn't go down too well, but you know, I. I never had a problem with, with Antonio or, uh, or Le'Veon when I worked there. Um, you know, good for them. Wish them the best. Uh, you know, I wish it would have turned out differently when, when, <laughs> when they played for the Steelers. You know, I also worked with, uh, with Byron Leftwich for a couple years. I worked with Bruce, Bruce Arians a couple years. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they're all, all super hardworking and dedicated. And, and I'm happy for them that they're in the big game. Antonio was doing incredible things during his time with the Steelers. You know, Le'Veon was probably the best back in the game uh, for a couple years stretch. You know, I'm glad that Bruce landed on his feet after he left the Steelers with the Colts and the Cardinals and now the Buccaneers. And I hate that, you know, I, I'll probably get a lot of flack for this, but it is kind of cool to see Tom Brady in it again. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, cause I feel like if Ben had six Super Bowls, we would all be excited as well. <laughs> again, I I'm happy for all those guys. And, uh, Wish them the best. I know it can't end in a tie, but uh, we'll see what happens Sunday night. And Bell never really seemed to be much of a locker room issue. Issue. Uh, he did have uh, you know some minor issues, uh, though. But it seemed like he was you know overall you know a pretty good guy, you know a good guy. Uh, what, when did you start to notice a change with AB? As he once was a favorite, a fan favorite in Pittsburgh, and Brian Clark has mentioned in the past when he got his first big contract in 2012 is when he really uh, noticed a change. Uh, his exact quote was, uh, when you give him money, uh, you're going to create a monster. Uh, did, did you see a, a notice of a change after uh, he got that contract in 2012? You know, I, I don't hey, – that's in the past. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to comment on the, the internal, internal things that happen. You know, I, you know Ryan is a – I like Ryan very much. We still, uh, you know, we still chat every once in a while. Um, but – you know, I, I don't, I don't want to 
I don't want to discuss the ins and outs of my time there. I, I, I never wanted to talk personally about anybody. I always got along with Antonio when I was there. Um, you know, he was always a great teammate and, uh, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. I, I know he spoke with the media today and, uh, uh, you know, he said that he's been humbled, uh, whatever, what, what gone on over the last few years that, uh, you know, Dale, Dale Lolly, uh, wrote for, uh, DK Pittsburgh sports and he said that he seemed like, you know, he's really, uh, turned things around. Yeah. And, and I, and I, and I mean, obviously going back a couple of years to that tweet, you know, I obviously, I hadn't worked there, um, you know, looking back on it, I, I wish it never to have happened. I, sh- I should have just put the phone away, but you know, I hadn't worked there in a year. I was a fan and, you know, they had just lost to the chiefs and I, and Antonio didn't talk to the media and, you know, obviously he said, he said, trade me, let's find out. And at the time I was public enemy number one. And, you know, obviously the events that transpired after that with Antonio, I had no idea about, I wasn't a part of, I don't, I, I don't know, but um, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm happy. It does seem like he has turned his life around. Um, I don't, again, I don't know what he was dealing with, you know, anything like that. Him and I always got along. Um, I remember my first year there, I picked him and Emmanuel Sanders up on the same day. They both got drafted by the Steelers. So, you know, looking back on it, I probably should have never said anything. Um, But at the end of the day, you can't change the past. Uh, He moved on. I moved on. And, uh, you know, I wish him the best. It does seem like you know, he has turned his life around and Hey man, I'm all for second chances. I'm all for, you know, getting whatever help you need or surrounding yourself, whatever, you know, people, people can help you out. And, you know, I'm sure that helps when it's a six time Super Bowl champion winning quarterback that, you know, whether he takes you under his wing and, you know, you know, kudos to Tom for whatever he's done for Antonio and kudos to Antonio for whatever he's done for himself and whoever else on that staff and team that, uh, has helped him get to where he is. Like I said, I wish him the best. We'll see what happens Sunday night. And of course, with it also being Super Bowl week, we're interested to get your takes for what the final score of this intriguing Super Bowl match at the Bucks for the first time. And probably I'm pretty sure 1980 was in Los Angeles. So that did have the Los Angeles Rams. So I think this is probably the second time that a team that is hosting the Super Bowl technically as they play in it. I uh, I like the technically because I always they keep advertising at the first, <laughs> but I like the technicality. Um, so, again, I mentioned this earlier. I, I am a Tom Brady fan. I know that's 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 blasphemy here, but I do. <laughs> I, I picked against. Brady last week. I shouldn't do it this week, but I'm going to. I, I like the Chiefs 34-28. I think Brady will come back next year, but I think that this is the official changing of the guard. I think this is back-to-back for the Chiefs. Uh, two in a row for Mahomes. I just think the Chiefs have too many weapons. Um, I believe the Buccaneers' safeties are hurt. Uh, they were at least last game. Um, but, yeah, I, I think – you know, you know, whether it's Le'Veon or Clyde Edwards Alaire, Daryl Williams, or you know, obviously Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Hardman. I just think the Chiefs have too many weapons. I think they're gonna run the ball. I think they're gonna have quick throws, and I think they're gonna get enough chunk plays. Again, 34-28 Chiefs. I will probably be wrong and eat my words, but so be it. I'm sticking with 34-28 Chiefs. 
I think this is going to be another overtime Super Bowl game. I'm going to say at the end of regulation, it's 31 all. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers get a field goal to go up 34-31. But the Kansas City Chiefs repeat on an overtime touchdown to win the game 37-34. Go Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I'll say they win 28-21. Ooh, low scoring. I think Tampa Bay, uh, their defense has been playing well. Lately, I think uh, they'll make some plays and uh, hold hold the Chiefs, you know, limit them at least a little bit. But, you know, 28 points, you know, I'm, I'm thinking four touchdowns. We are going a little bit high scoring because as it stands right now that the Super Bowl is supposed to be in a 75 percent chance for rain down in Tampa. It, it could be a Florida swamp, just like the 2007 Super Bowl, the Colts and the Bears. And it could be really similar. Who did the halftime show? Prince. Yes. Why not have the weekend do it? So <laughs> purple rain in the rain. I, that, unbelievable. And, and of course, I'd be remiss to not ask this. But of course, your first year was the Steelers last appearance in the Super Bowl. And I, I understand you may have been an intern at that time, but did you get the chance to travel to Dallas? And if so, how was that experience during Super Bowl week? Intern also known as the backbone of the department. Um, yeah, I so even though I was an intern, I traveled to all uh, primetime uh, away games. My fr- I, I interned 10 and 11, uh, all primetime road games, including the Super Bowl. That first year is, is the best time I've ever had in my years there. You get to the top. Obviously, I've never played and I've never acted like I played but it was really, really cool to get to experience that and experience a full season. And I remember coming home after that loss, being on the bus and thinking to myself, wow, this is pretty cool. We'll be here next year. Um, <laughs> and then just sort of, you know, realizing that like, I can't take this for granted. And in my time there, the closest we got was my final year there. And Tom Brady ruined that. Um, but <laughs> It was an amazing experience that first year, two straight home playoff games, beating the Ravens, then beating a really, really good Jets team. Those two Jets back-to-back AFC title games with Rex Ryan, that defense was great. Mark Sanchez was playing great. You know, they had LT and Thomas Jones. Uh, Jericho Cautry was on that team. Santonio Holmes was actually on that team. It was an unbelievable experience. I'm very happy that I got to go there. Uh, I'll, you know, never forget those moments. It's just unfortunate because we were all rooting for the Bears um, and Aaron Ryan. You know, I, ne- I would never say it to the guys, but Ryan Ryan Clark actually had talked about this recently, <laughs> talking about how we and he's right. We were all rooting for the Bears because Jay Cutler got hurt. And it would have been, I don't and no offense to whoever the backup was. I couldn't remember. I don't even know who his name was, but we all kind of knew that Aaron Rodgers was going to be a problem. And he was. Yeah. Ryan mentioned that uh, one of the touchdowns, he almost picked off Aaron Rodgers. It's just like it grazed his fingertips just by a little bit. It's a game of inches, as everyone always says. And it's just insane. Yeah, I read that. Um, and I believe Rodgers pointed at him or like, game like shook his finger like you almost had that one and and yeah I remember I remember that specific play because Ryan talked about it and I and I remember I remember when he he's talked about it many times but recently it brought back that memory because I remember watching them in practice leading up to that 
to the the we or to the game and seeing familiar coverages and like it was I don't know if Rodgers could have thrown a better ball if he had another hundred throws that's how good it was and I'm sure if you could ever find Troy and ask him he'd probably say the same thing because it was incredible but I, I obviously with your new position you just have to ask this it's a it's a cliche question but if you had an opportunity to go back to like another sports team in the NFL, it could be with the Steelers again. Would you take that chance? Ooh, no, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't do sports again. Um, I had an amazing time. I got to see the world. We got to play in London. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I, I like my weekends. I like my holidays and I, I like watching it more on television, you know, especially you know when you're there, you can't be as much of a fan. And I actually remember a point where I didn't enjoy football anymore because I, it was literally my life. And now that I've moved on from it, I love watching football. When I worked there, I didn't watch Thursday night football. I didn't watch Monday night football. I only ever watched the Steelers game. And now I'm watching football all the time. Um, doesn't mean I didn't have a great time, and I'm extremely grateful for my time there. I loved it. But, again, when Mr. Rooney passed away, I just reevaluated what I wanted professionally and personally, and I have no regrets. Obviously, I wish they would have won a Super Bowl when I was there, but, um, you know, got to, I, I, I got to be a part of every game including the Super Bowl, but we didn't win. But, hey, that's a really good question. I appreciate you asking me that. I Looking back on it, I have great memories, but I wouldn't change what happened or my decision to leave. And, Ryan, uh, we have a couple more questions here. But yeah. uh, uh, from uh, Jim Wexel's book, uh, you mentioned how uh, you got Troy um, all into a restaurant when it was booked. <laughs> uh, it was a, I think it was a restaurant you mentioned that you used to work for, and yeah. uh, you got him in there. Uh, can you share a little bit about that story? I worked at a restaurant growing up. And uh, it was the only job I ever had uh, before the Steelers. And I worked there, you know, through high school at night and then, you know, coming home from college in the summer. So one day, Troy, from the end of the hall, was like, hey, Scarps. I literally had no idea he knew my name, let alone Scarps. And he comes down. We're talking. He's like, hey, I heard you used to work at a restaurant. I'd love to get in tonight. And I was like, sure, yeah, great, you know. He goes out to practice. We were a really good restaurant, um, top-notch. There's no way you're getting in on a Friday night unless you had a reservation. So I, you know, I'm texting my boss, and my boss is like, we're booked. I'm like, dude, I'm not even joking. It's for Troy Polamalu and his wife. Not joking. <laughs> so he says, I'll see what I can do. A couple minutes pass. He texts me, good to go, gives me the time. And the whole time I'm like, I can't tell Troy. No, like, how can I tell Troy? No. So he comes off. He comes in after practice. I say, Troy, here's where you need to go. Here's the time. Enjoy. So my boss hooks him up. Um, I was a little bit nervous because what happens if he didn't have a good experience and I had to see him the next day, but everything goes great. My boss texted me. Everything was great. Nobody bothered Troy. His, him and his wife showed up. They had a great time. So the next day, so I knew he had a good time. Like I could tell my boss was ecstatic. So the next day, Troy, I see him, he's walking away. And I was like, Troy, he's like, Hey, I was like, Hey, 
how was it? And he was like, Scarps, it was bomb. I'll never forget that. He's literally Scarps, it was bomb. I just like, I didn't even know he knew my name and I was able to connect him with some, some high quality food. And apparently he's a foodie. Uh, cause I'm reading Jim's book. <laughs> I saw him, uh, drink plenty of smoothies. Uh, didn't really know the, uh, ins and outs of his diet other than smoothies, but, uh, yeah, he had a good time. I'm glad I got to connect him to some good food. Yeah. Uh, Jim Wexler, I just finished his book recently, recently, and, uh, it's an amazing book. And, uh, uh, one, one of the parts that really stands out is uh, after the Super Bowl, there uh, Steelers were at a Super Bowl party, and Snoop Dogg was there, and Mike Tomlin, and everybody. I guess it was really crowded, and uh, Wexel stepped out, and uh, he was talking with Randy Bauman, and uh, uh, Paul Marlowe was leaving with family, and he saw uh, Wexel and uh, Bauman there, so he went over to them, and he had a he had a conversation with them for like quite a while, just talking about X's and O's, X's and O's, and and about the game, and I, I just thought that was really interesting uh, with Paul Marlowe, just you know just how humble he was and he was really just like you know a regular you know human being just but just like all of them but you know he's just uh his humility was just amazing yeah i i got a story it didn't make jim's book but i remember when we played in london um there was a pub across the street and we all went there after we arrived that night and i remember looking out the window and i had a couple pints in me not gonna lie and I remember looking out the window and like the play, like there are people everywhere. And I, and I'm like, looking out the window, there's Troy just like standing there, just like, just like soaking it all in. And I'm like, so like I walked out, I'm like, are you all right? Is everything okay? He's like, yep, everything's good. I was like, all right, cool. Like, but like nobody knew who he was. And I mean, at that point, like it, it that was 2013. I, I think, I think it's a little bit different for the international games now, but I mean, they were, you know, fans over there were still celebrating more when guys were making extra points and field goals and touchdowns. So, you know, like, I, I just think that, you know, I think that's the way Troy always wanted to be, like, not known. And I, I just, like, I'll never forget that because if that was, like, if he was in, you know, the strip district or he was on the south side just standing there, everybody would have known who he was. So, like, it's almost like he, he, he enjoyed that. And it was just like, like I'd never been over overseas. So like I was soaking it all in too, but it was really cool to just look and see like this dude's one of the greatest Steelers of all time. And he's just, it's soaking in the moment, just like we all are. All right. Well, we're almost finished with this interview, but being that we're all fans of the Steelers, we got to know what's your thoughts on the current state of the Steelers and going into next season. Yeah. You know, I, I completely understand sort of the, I don't say panic, but uncertainty. Uh, but the Steelers are one or one of the most consistent franchises in the league. As I mentioned earlier, Steelers have only had one losing season this century, and that was 2003. And the next year, they ended up getting Ben. You know, I trust the process. I trust Coach Tom, that I trust Kevin Colbert. I trust the Rooney family uh, and everybody else involved. You know, they're going to have to make some tough decisions. Uh, they're going to have to crunch some numbers. You know, some guys are going to come, some guys are going to go. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, though, are they uh, are they a contender next year? I, I don't know. It's who knows where we're going to be next year. You know, are there going to be fans in the stands? Is are there going to be home field advantage? Like there, this was a weird year. It was a weird year. You know, let's let it all play out. Go through the off season get in a training camp and see what happens. But I think that it's reasonable to, to maybe have some doubts, but I also look at the consistency and the history of the franchise. And I know they have the people in place to compete. 
That was Ryan Scarpino, former Steelers public relations specialist from 2010 to 2016. Ryan, it was a great interview, man. And thank you so much for taking this time out of your day. I really, really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me on. Best of luck to everybody listening out there as we continue through 2021. And that's all for us on the Renegade Blitz. For Chris Ward, I'm Ty Polk. Thank you for tuning in. We'll have more episodes coming up throughout the offseason with all the latest happenings on the Steelers and, of course, other special interviews as we continue through the 2021 offseason. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Blitz podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz. Read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com and like us on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, iHeart, and Spotify.